0: The title of my sermon today is uproar. Uproar. We just, we just had an uproar. We just had a roar of praise up towards God. And I love it when you use your giftedness, when, when, when the gifts are expressed, when people read from the Word, when people pray out loud. And I just love that form of worship. And God loves it more. So thank you for that too. That was a gift to my weary heart this morning. So but let's pray. Father, thank you for thank you for first of all inviting us in to your family. For allowing us to be called sons and daughters this morning. For having the honor and the privilege and the and the right even to be called your sons and daughters is truly something to be grateful for. And we cannot praise you enough for that, Father. But we ask that now that you will, you will come and be with us in, at this moment. We want to hear your words. We want to hear your heart. We want to hear the, the, the truth that you want to express to us. We want to hear the words of life. Because who else can we go to that has such wonderful words of life but you? So we surrender ourselves to this moment. We surrender our hearts, our minds, our bodies, our will to yours. I ask you, yes, to empty me of me so that you fill me with yourself, with your Holy Spirit, so that you can come and express everything that we need to hear this morning. And we want to do all this and we want to spend this time still as worship to you. So, I pray that my words would be few, but it would be the words that we all need to hear because they're yours. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know that there is an intense significant battle going on around us? We all we can just all agree on that point right now. Can we agree, agree that this battle is 24 7, 365? That it's this battle is intense. This battle is The enemy is fervent about this battle. He is intentional about this battle. And because the enemy doesn't play fair, this battle can get really confusing for us. And I think, significantly, the battle is for our minds. That there's a battle against the way we think, a battle against the way we process information, there's a battle even against the way we store memories and how we make plans and how we even dream. This battle is real and the enemy is, is actively pursuing a way to destroy the way we think. theres a There's been many studies about the mind. I'm going to trip over that today so I'm trying to get it out of my way. There have been many studies about the mind, but I came across ones that sparked this this sermon. A human being is five times more likely to hold on to a negative memory than he is a positive one. That we will dwell upon a tragic event, a harmful event, Unkind words, an unkind memory, five times more than we can remember one that is pleasant, a joyful one, just a wonderful season of life, whatever that is. Even if both those events have the same emotional intensity, the the human mind is wired to hold on to that kind of thinking. Simply put, we tend to hold on to harmful thoughts over helpful ones. This is a not a theological study. This is a psychological study, but it holds such theological uh, power in it if we come to come to Gritswood, because I think we could all agree with that that there's a tendency within us when something tragic, something harmful comes into our life, not only do we hold on to the memory, we hold on to the pain, the sorrow, and the grief of it. More so than we hold on to the the memories that could bring us joy, peace, and satisfaction. When we allow this painful mindset to dominate our thoughts, it affects our faith, our hope, In our joy. Because if we continue to dwell on what this study is called, what the psychologists call this a negative bias. We we have a bias towards the negativity thoughts process of our lives. So much so that it affects, in psychologists, it affects the way people live. But I want to express today that there is a way to remap our mind. There is a way to have an uproar over the noise of the enemy. So if you wouldn't mind, and I encourage you to go to Psalm 100. It's a pretty short psalm, but there's a lot packed into this psalm. So let's read it. his name for the lord is good his steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations there are seven words of action in this in this short very, very short psalm make serve come know enter give bless this is a very busy Psalm. This is one of the most beautiful invitations to enter into worship. It is just gorgeous with its generosity of invitation in here. What God is calling it. This is this. You could call this "How to Worship 101" if you wanted to. Even though it's just Psalm 100, so we could call it "Worship 100." But I I want to start with "make a joyful noise." I want to take that phrase apart because this is interesting. That phrase in the Hebrew basically means to mar, to mar something. As if to break it. But what I really, the definition I really like is to split the ears. To split the ears. Make a joyful noise. Split the ears. This is an invitation to be loud. This is not tame worship. This is engaging worship with the intent to mar something, to break something, and to split the ears. See what this is? This this phrase also means a victory call, a victory cry. Wouldn't you just love to split the ears of the enemy this point? Well, you just did. Would you worship? With a reading aloud of His Word. With exercising a gift. With encouraging one another. We said to the enemy, we're going to split your ears with a joyful noise. Our noise is going to rise above your noise. Our noise is going to ru- rise above your negative bias. We're going to split the ears of the enemy by making a joyful noise. Kind of makes that phrase look a little bit different, doesn't it? See, I used to read that and make a joyful noise. I'd say, "Okay, I just got to be really happy." And when I sing, well, yeah. But God is saying, you know, this is a victory cry. And when you raise your voice and worship to me. You are splitting the ears of your enemy. Basically, you're quieting the enemy's voice. This is powerful stuff. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all ye earth. This encourages us to be loud. Loud. Psalm seventy-one twenty-three says this. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you and my soul which you have redeemed. This scripture is saying that when my lips shout with joy, not only will I sing praises, my soul will sing praises. See, it goes down to the very core of who we are as a, as a son and daughter of the Most High. It's, it says, you know what, I'm going to sing, I'm going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to engage in something, I'm going to physically engage in something, I'm going to sing with joy, I'm going to sing praises, and not only will my, my, the sound out of my voice be worshiped, my, my soul will worship too. This, see, God is trying to engage everything that we are as a people, our lips, our mind, our soul, our heart, so this is full body worship if you want to. Okay? This is everything that we are. We're going to raise a ruckus. We're going to cause an uproar. We're going to shout to the Lord. We're going to sing loud praises to Him. And we're going to split the ear of the enemy while doing it. Now, I have six proclamations I want us to proclaim over ourselves today. So I'm going to stretch you a little bit more. Since you guys just warmed up great, you can do this. I'm going to have six proclamations throughout this and I want you to say after me. Okay? Ready for number one? Worship elevates my joy. Wow. Elevates my joy. wow. Think about that for a minute. Worship elevates our joy. Why? Anybody have an idea? Because. Amen. His. Amen. And it's a minister of our soul, mm. our body, and our spirit. Mm. So it's a minister of the whole entity. Mm. Full body worship. And if I could piece this together, worship has nothing to do with circumstances. It has everything to do with who God is. Mm. Amen. It changes our focus. Amen. Some of the popular circumstances. Amen. So worship elevates our joy. You can. Joyful noise. Great, that was great. I don't have to go any further. <laughs> I'm going to, but I don't have to. <laughs> that study that, that the psychologist did about when we that we have a tendency to to dwell on the negative five times more than we do the positive. Well, there's a, another study that went along with this. It's beautiful. This is psychologists talking now. When a human being Focuses intentionally on an experience with gratitude, their enjoyment level goes up by twenty-five percent. Think about that for a minute. This is a psychologist. This is not Christian. It's not really anti-Christian either. But I'm just saying this is this is not. They're not thinking with a God mind here. Well, maybe they are. But you know what I'm saying here. You understand what I just said? And that experience doesn't have to be a positive one. But when we intentionally look at a situation in our life with gratefulness, and that's the key, it elevates our enjoyment of that experience by 25%. I have no idea how they measure that. But think about that. But think about that, right? That's a 20% difference in, in in the negative thing. But how powerful is gratitude towards our God? And how it makes us give thanks in all circumstances. You guys just said it. It changes our focus. That it is all about God, not about us or our circumstances. That it does lift our soul to a higher place. Because we're engaged in worship. And worship is gratitude. (laughs) Form of a weapon against the enemy because it shuts the mouth of the accuser mm-hmm. which turns off some of what's uh, coming against us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, We drown out the noise of the enemy with a joyful noise. Man, you guys are really getting this. That's great. So I have another proclamation because of that. Proclamation number two. Praise completes my joy. Okay? Praise Praise completes my joy. joy. Amen. Amen. Verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. The Hebrew word here for work uh, actually means, you know, to to toil. Toil. I mean, serve, sorry. The word served actually means to work in, or someone who tiles, toils. Boy, I'm mean going to have a lot to clean up in this one. Uh, get my mouth wet here. Okay. So, serve the Lord, that word actually means actual work, actual toil, some effort. But it also means the work of a worshiper, someone who is intently serving God toiling at it, working hard at it, engaged in it as a worshiper. Serve the Lord with gladness. And that word actually means joy. I'm going to work as a worshiper of my God with joy. Man, this is this is really starting to change this verse. I, well, it did for me. Just looking at this, I'm thinking of serving the Lord, okay, yeah, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do, I'm going to you know, do the right thing, I'm not going to disobey, I'm going to, well, that, that's true, that's what we're supposed to be doing, but he says, we're, this is worship though. See, if I'm going to obey God, I'm going to do it because I love and I want to worship Him by that, and I'm going to do it with gladness. It changes my mindset. It starts to make me understand that I don't, I don't have to stay with a negative bias anymore. I can look at the circumstances that I'm going through or I've been through in a whole new way. And I'm going to be glad for what God has done in, and is doing in those circumstances. And I'm going to be glad about it because I know Him. Because I know Him. Psalm 28, 7 says, The Lord is my strength and shield. I trust Him with my whole heart. He helps me, and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. I can't contain myself. I burst out with Him. I am so in love with Him because He's my shield. He's my protector. He's delivered me. I can't help but praise Him. Joy is a cool thing. It's a great thing. So the third proclamation I want you to say is, Serving empowers my joy. Serving empowers my joy. And it does. And if I had a guitar, I'd make you sing it so it would sound better. But that's okay. The second part of that verse, Come into His presence with singing. This word... That, and that whole phrase is wonderfully complex but beautiful. To come into His presence means this. It means I am actively and, and I participate in coming into His presence. But it's because I'm being pulled in by the love of God. It's beautiful. It is being pulled in while I choose to go in. See, this is the longing of the Father for us to be in His presence. So yes, we are invited in, so we, we choose to come in of our own volition because this is part of our worship, our, our reasonable sacrifice of worship is to come into His presence, but it's because we're also being drawn in by the love of God. It's powerful stuff. It's powerful stuff. We come into His presence with singing, and that simply means with a song. We come into His presence with a song, a song of thankfulness, a song of gratefulness, a song of joy. We make a joyful noise as we come into His presence. Father God is not up there like this, holding His ears. He is just like this. Come, make as much noise as you want. And for someone like me who makes a lot of noise, that's a great invitation. I love that. I love that. Psalm 16, 11 says, You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Who doesn't want to be in the presence of God then? If His presence means fullness of joy, and in His right hand there are pleasures forevermore, why do we resist being in His presence? I don't know. See, the right hand is the right hand of authority. God has the authority to give us pleasure. Think about that for a minute. I know we have different concepts of what pleasures are. Mine, you know, sometimes are lacking because I I get pleasure out of an apple pie. Believe me, I do love apple pie. It brings me happiness. But God's pleasures are so much deeper than that because His pleasures involve freedom. At His right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So, say this, another proclamation. God's presence is joy. God's presence is joy. I love we're making. See, we're splitting the ears of the enemy with these proclamations. We are are reminding him that we know who our Father is. And we know what joy is all about. And here's the reason for our joy in verse 3 Know the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us, and we are His. We are His people, and the sheep of His pasture. Knowing God, knowing that He's inviting us into this, this family of His, because remember last week we learned, learned that the word know here means familiar as a family member, familiar as a, as a, as a kin person. So God wants us look at the wonderful intimacy that God is offering and and inviting us into. He wants us to feel like family with him. This is awesome. For someone who was orphaned spiritually by his parents, by his family, you know how much this means to me? To know that God is inviting me into his family continuously. He's saying, you know, I I want you to know me. I want you to know who I am as God, as mighty God, as the, the creator of the universe, but I want you to know me as Father. If you know me as Father, then you can know all about me. This is a great invitation to know that we belong to Him. This is the intimate relationship that God desires for us. Knowing God then means that we know His voice. Right? If we know Him, then we know His voice. We can recognize His voice more and more and more as we're, in, we're continuously coming to into, into His presence. We get to know His voice. We get to hear His voice a lot clearer. This is huge because when we hear God's voice, God's voice drowns out the enemy's voice. See, you use God's words this morning to drown out the enemy's voice. You use your own words, proclaiming joy, proclaiming God's word, singing. You did this. And you drown out the enemy's voice. The enemy's propaganda. His negative bias. This is why it's necessary for us to raise a joyful noise. Because we want to overwhelm the noise of the enemy with praise and worship. Noise is not a bad thing when we're splitting the ears of the enemy. Jesus put it this way in, in John 15, 11. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy might be in you and that your joy may be full. See, Jesus said, i am spoken words into you and for you so that The joy that I have as your Savior, as your Messiah, as your God, this joy that I have as being Creator, this same joy that I carry on in my Godhood might be in you. Think about that for a minute. This is not earthly joy that's in us, this is not man made joy that's in us, because, like, you know, the pleasure of apple pie only lasts so long to the next one. But God's joy. Think about it. This is God's joy that He's placing inside of us. For a moment, I felt like I felt God's joy when I heard, was sitting back there watching you guys worship, share from your heart. I, I thought I had just a brief glimpse of His joy. It is overwhelming. The joy that He has. That he wants us to experience and have inside of us. What a gift. What a precious gift that God has given us. That we can have God's joy inside this human frame. Wow. And here's the fifth proclamation God's word fills me with joy. God's word fills me with joy. And it does. It does. Verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. The Hebrew word for enter is the same as the word come. It means it means it's actually the same word. They just translated it different. But it means to, to you know voluntarily enter in And while we're being pulled in. It means the same thing. But we enter with thanksgiving. It says. This word means to extend the hands in adoration. So we enter with, with our hands up, our voices are up, and our hands are up. Now this could be as a, this could look like a sign of surrender, can it? And it is. Again, again, we said last week that we were to bless His name, we're going to kneel. And that could be signed as, seen as a sign of, of surrender also, but we're not surrendering to an enemy. We're surrendering to a God who loves us deeply and is passionate about us being in His presence and wants to put His joy in us so that we can share joy together. I love this God. He's so generous that human expressions can seem like I'm giving myself over to something that I have no control over. No. God is saying, will you please come into my presence? Will you kneel before me? Will you raise your hands? Will you raise your voice? Will you give yourselves over to me so I can give myself to you? See, God's not a taker. God is a giver. And this is why we worship Him. This is why we raise a joyful noise to Him. So we enter with thanksgiving, extending our hands in, in praise and adoration. And His court with praise. And again, that word praise means a song. We give thanks. This is another word that means the same thing. Again, raising our hands in adoration. God really wants us to be body participant in this. This is, great. this is great stuff. And we bless. We kneel in uh, His name. Enter, give, bless. Joyful worship is loud and it's engaging. It. Yes, I'm not saying that we can't sit quietly and worship because those are beautiful times too. They obviously are. I, I have a lot of quiet time that's like that. I'm completely silent before God. But my heart is joyful. Worship requires my involvement, my body, my mind, my spirit, my and here's where we can be loud without vocally being loud, which is what I think this speaks to. My life of worship shouts out loud. My acts of service makes a ruckus and disturbs the enemy's plans. The way I live is loud. People who know me say this is true. But I mean, as a as a son and daughter of the Most High, we are, our lives should be loud. People should know we worship God by the way we live. See the way we serve our community and our family and our friends, or, or the people that come into our lives. They should shout out love, out loud the love of God. What I am suggesting, and what because what I think, the Scripture and many others like it, that there that Christians should be the loudest people on the planet, and unfortunately, they're loud in the wrong ways sometimes. I'm not talking about being out loud politically. or social media wise. I'm just saying that our life of worship should make a difference in the world that we walk in. Because I think that's what this is really coming to. If we want to overcome the negative bias of this world that the enemy propagates by his lies and by slander against the church and about God's people, we need to live lives of out of the box, out loud worship. So that when we're going through difficult times and, and look, and we're feeling them and, and, and as, as human beings and as, as real people, they're, they, they hurt and we get, we get desperate for God. And there's nothing wrong with that. But when people look at us and we see that we're not losing our grip, that we're still worshiping God, that's when people stand up and notice our faith. That's really the truth. That's what worship does. Worship remaps the mind so that we can think freely. Psalm 98, 4 to 6 says this Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth and sing for joy and sing praises. Sing praises, says it twice. To the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of a horn. Shout joyfully before the king, the Lord. God is serious about this joy stuff. Verse 5 is another reason for us to be joyful. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. When I center myself on God's goodness, when I center on his love and faithfulness. My enjoyment level of whatever I'm going through goes up twenty-five percent or more. I wouldn't put a limit of twenty-five percent on that. Psychiatrist might, but I wouldn't. For about three weeks now, I've been walking around in a in a fog. And I would even say that I was probably entering into to depression. It doesn't usually happen to me. It hasn't happened to me in a long time. But I really was. I, didn't, I, I really couldn't tell you what the heartache was, but I was really broken hearted about something. Couldn't even really talk about it. Trying to, to go through life with a happy face, my usual upbeat countenance, this wasn't really working, and Christine and I went for a walk yesterday, and, and she started to my coming back out with the conversation that we had, and we really couldn't get to the to the meat of the matter because I still don't want to talk about it. And you're just going to have to trust me on that. But it was a real heartache, a real sorrow. And God will help me work it out, and it'll probably come out in a sermon somewhere. Don't worry about it, but it'll probably come out. But right now, just to say that God has helped me see something in a different way. And it was just this, you know, going through this sermon prep and realizing that whatever the heartache is, I was looking at it with a negative bias, and I was allowing that to grow exponentially, more than five percent, more than twenty percent. It was growing. Because the way I was looking at it, the way I was thinking about it, the way I was allowing my thoughts to dwell on the pain or the hurt or the discouragement. And then when I started to realize, but He's good. And His love kindness endures forever. And not just to me, but to all the generations that come out of me and out of you. His loving kindness endures forever. And he's good. So when I started to dwell on that heartache, with that mindset, joy started to return to me. I started to come back. The thing is still not it's still there. It's going to be dealt with by God and during whatever heart ache that is. But now I'm looking at it. With gratefulness. See, I'm looking at him saying, Father, I don't know what this is, but I thank you for it. Because you're not far from it. You're, you're there with me. So I'm not giving thanks for that, but I'm giving thanks that he's there with me. That's what I'm giving. My gratitude is helping me focus. My worship is helping me focus. In this... In this that I was in, I was, took a walk in the woods the other day, a long walk in the woods the other day, and it was, I was going to hit some trees and bang some rocks and stuff like that. But I didn't do any of that. I just sat down on one and just just asked God a question. And he basically said, well, what do you need? And I said, I need a sign. And I, don't, I don't like to do this, but I did. I need a sign that shows me an answer to this part of this heartache. I, I, I just need something. And that's done perfectly. I'll wait as long as that it takes to get that sign. But it's, it's, this is just something that I need. I'm saying the, the prayer. came home. And yesterday when I got that phone call from Pastor Sutton. That answered a, a great deal. God cares about the condition of our hearts. These words I've spoken to you so that you might have joy. My joy. And that, that your joy will be full. See, God speaks words to us continuously through this, of course. So I was, I was very grateful to God for that, for that phone call. Because it, it did answer something of that heartache. And it did bring joy to me. My countenance definitely changed in 30 minutes later. I was a different person. But I had already started the process of being grateful for what God was walking me through. And although it may be a scientific study, it is proving through spiritually that my enjoyment level is increasing. Of the process I was going through. God cares. He cares about us. And He cares about the generations to come. So if you're here this morning. And you think that you have no future. That is simply not the truth. You're here for a reason. God has specific plans. Designs. Purposes. And for generations that will come from you. He has plans for them too. And He's going to be faithful to them. Because he's faithful to all generations. I just want to share with you quickly, even though we're going a little past, I just want to share this. There are two ways to guard our minds. There are many ways to guard our minds. The scriptures are full of them. But there are two ways that I think are, are the most effective. Okay, you ready for it? It's in Philippians 4, 6-8. First of all, it says, Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer, that word means out loud worship while you're praying. Not quiet, out loud. But in everything, by prayer, out loud worship prayer and supplication, that means prayer that you are fully engaged in, earnest, sincere. You know that this is going to be answered. And here's the kicker. With thanksgiving. The word actually means grateful language. Grateful language. Let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, brothers, whatever is true whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, commendable, and excellent. If there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. The first way to guard our hearts and minds is to pray. It's to pray. Pray about everything. Not some things. Not a few things. Not just the things that bother you. The Scripture is clear. Pray about everything. And the word actually means everything. Everything that concerns us. Everything that we go through. Everything that that we need to plan about. Everything that we want to dream about. Everything we pray first. We pray with worship words with worship in mind, with thanksgiving. And when we pray, then the peace of God that passes anything that we can understand comes. And when the peace of God that comes and passes all understanding, He guards our hearts and our minds in it. And then we can do this. We can do the, the work. Paul says to think about these things. That word means to take inventory, to calculate, and to reason. And what does he tell us? These are things that are worthy of praise. Who gets to praise? So we are to think of things that praise God, that worship God, that honor God. These These are the things we think about that help clear the negative bias out of our lives that drown out the noise of the enemy. See, there's sometimes, you know that old phrase, garbage in, garbage out? You know, the season is very tempting for a lot of reasons, because we eat a lot of garbage, or they may taste great. I can eat a lot of apple pie. It's not good for me. I can eat a lot of cookies, Christmas cookies. I love Christmas cookies. Someone say amen. <laughs> Hallelujah love Christmas cookies. I can eat so much of that that I get sick. And it becomes garbage. But you know, it seems like we could, during the holidays sometimes we're waking up, we could find the strength and the, and the weather all to, to just take it easy. I'm just going to eat a few cookies. I'm just going to eat a little bit of this. I'm going to cut down my portions. and We, we discipline ourselves. But why don't we use the same discipline when it comes to our mind? Why is it difficult? There are things that we read. There are things that we watch. There are things that we listen to. There are things that we allow into our mind to reinforce the negative bias of the enemy. It's just true. Garbage in. Garbage out. See, these scientific studies, these psychological studies are, have facts in them, but they don't have to be true for us. See, that's the thing. Just because someone came up with a study, they can help us understand the mind, but it doesn't mean that we have to subject ourselves to that study. We are born again. Sons and daughters of the most high. Our mind is, needs to think about these things. And we wonder sometimes why we struggle with certain thoughts. Is because what thoughts are we placing in there? What is reinforcing those thoughts? And here's the danger sometimes. It doesn't necessarily have to be something unchristian that we're watching. I read a lot. I read a lot of books. Ask my wife. I read a lot of books. I have too many books. Okay? I read a lot of blog posts. I read a lot of things. But I have come to the point in my life, and I love to go to movies too. So, you know, I love to go to certain movies. I like to watch certain TV shows. I like to read certain magazines. All that and more. Media is a wonderful tool. But there are times where I'll come up to an article or to a movie or to even a song. And and the Holy Spirit will say, I don't want that in you. And I have a choice. I can read it. I can listen to it. I can watch it. And allow it to, to affect the negative bias that's already in my head. Scripture is saying, "Will you think about things that are true. Look, there's fake news out there, and then there's the fake news of the enemy. What are we going to listen to? I, to? I want to listen to things that are true. So there might be times where I turn off the news. I'm going to think about things that are honorable. What brings God honor? And that's what you have to think. That's the question you're going to have. If reading this, or going to this, or listening to this, is it going to bring God honor? And I'm going to tell you, if it doesn't bring God honor, you probably shouldn't be involved. Okay? I'm just putting that out there. Because it's in here. I'm not saying it. Scripture is saying it. Okay? Blame Paul. Not me. What things are just. What things are pure. What things are lovely. What is commemorable. If there is any excellent. That word means valor. Courage. moral goodness these are the things that are excellent to God these are God's standards this is is how God wants us to think because he knows that this will get rid of the negative bias in our mind and help us to think more free it will not only increase our joy it will increase our discernment level this is how we guard our minds Paul is saying that when we pray and we think like God, we quiet our mind. And when we center on things that bring life into us, that way of thinking will empower our joy. Because I don't know about you, but when I'm at peace with God and in my life, I am feeling pretty joyful. Right? Peace brings joy. The peace that passes all understanding. One last psalm and one last proclamation. Psalm 95.1 O come, let us sing for joy to the Lord and let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Here's the last proclamation. No noise will silence my joy. No noise will silence my joy. Father, we thank you for your word which gives us joy, which brings us joy. Thank you for allowing us to come into your presence where there's fullness of joy, where there's pleasures forevermore. I pray that we will allow you to define joy and define pleasures for us. That we will will give ourselves. We will serve. We will come. We will worship. We will kneel. We will praise you. We will split the ears of our enemy with the way we live out the gospel. Help us with this. We cannot do this without You. We have great need of You and that brings joy to my heart that we can have need of You but You will come and You supply every need according to Your riches and glory. You are a powerful God. You are a sovereign Lord. You are a righteous Messiah. And yet you're a good, good Father to us. So I praise you for that and I thank you for that. And I ask once again that you would help us from this day forward to live a life that's out loud, uproariously full of joy. That we will relook at the circumstances that we are facing with gratitude to you and allow you to increase our joy as we give ourselves to you. We want to enter your courts. We want to come into your presence. We want to be drawn in by you because we are are uh, sons and daughters who who love their Father. So we ask for this kind of freedom in our lives. And Father, even though at this point, when the season of Christmas is upon us, and when there's more, more room to express this joy, I pray we will take advantage of every moment. Because you are worthy. So I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray that you would bless them this week, that you would bless their health, you would bless their finances, you would bless their relationships. And I pray, Father, that no matter where they go, they will drip Jesus. And I ask this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed.